Hospitality Meets is brought to you by Rotacloud, the staff scheduling app for hospitality teams. Rotacloud lets you create and share rotas, record attendance, and manage your team's annual leave, all in less time than it takes to make a brew. It can also make life easier for your staff, allowing them to check their rotas, request holiday, and even pick up extra shifts, all through the Rotacloud mobile app. Start your 30-day free trial today by visiting rotacloud.com forward slash fill and find out how much easier managing your team can be. Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Eddie Tanous, Chief Operating Officer for multi-brand Middle Eastern hotel superstars, Rotana. Coming up on today's show... Eddie talks about what innovation really looks like. They want to completely remove the word boundary from the dictionary. Phil asks his best question yet. How would you get uh, an elephant to the moon by next May? And Eddie and Phil dish out some world-class advice. If you've got a big meeting that day, don't Don't get get a haircut. haircut. All that and so much more as we chat through Eddie's wonderful career journey so far. This was something of an opportunistic chat as Eddie was in town for WTM, but I was so grateful that he made time for me as there was gold all the way through on career and leadership. Don't forget to give us a like and a share. Enjoy. And a huge hospitality meets welcome to Eddie Tanus. Good morning, Phil. It's great to be here. How are you doing? I'm excellent. Love London. Great to be here. Really. I was going to say, yeah. how often do we get an opportunity to, to meet internationally? In, uh, but you're here for, for WTM Absolutely. at the Excel Centre. Yeah. How's it going? It's going really well. The first two days were really active. I think people are still eager to go back into these exhibitions because we had a halt during COVID. I know we don't want to talk about COVID anymore, but human interaction is such an integral part of what we do in hospitality. And even if you're not signing deals in these exhibitions, being in front of the people and talking, it just removes away so many hurdles. So it's been really good. It's been positive. Some really good prospects also for the hospitality industry. Yeah. And I think there is a general feeling. I mean, I know there's a lot going on in the world at the moment, but uh, there is a, I, I'm definitely picking up a general feeling that from a hotel perspective, that 2024 people are, I suppose, cautiously optimistic uh, about I the agree, planet. I agree. And again, we've seen a great rebound after COVID and it's continuing. And it's very unfortunate that there's always issues happening in the world. And, you know, we sympathize with everyone who are imp- impacted. Hospitality is a, is a very important part of any country's GDP, any country's economy. So there's so many livelihoods also depending on it. And I think we've seen some positive trends. I think people now understand what is important in life a lot more than what we did pre the the pandemic. So people want to travel. One statistic that was shared in one of the forums that I was part of uh, in the last couple of weeks was the percentage of people that have already traveled and uh, around the world. And it's such a small percentage. I'm not going to. Yeah, it's such a small percentage showing you the huge potential that the hospitality industry has. People want to travel. They're traveling more. They have a different way of looking at travel and what they want to see, but they still want to travel. They still want to stay in hotels. They still want to see sites. But most importantly, they want those different experiences that they don't have necessarily where they are. So me coming to London, for me, although this is a work trip, it's great because it's a bit different from the environment I'm operating in on a day-to-day basis. So, And that's what people want. They want to be able to experience that. 
Yeah, 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 absolutely. I should say just for the record that we are in a public space at the moment, yeah, so you'll get some atmosphere on this chat, but that's, that's all it's good. Not, it's not scripted, which is great. Indeed, right? absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. we're kind of you know, doing this on the fly. You're in town, so mm -hmm. why not? Let's have a, a, a chat about your absolutely. life and I wouldn't career. want it any other way, to be honest with you, Phil. It's yeah. great. Fantastic. Yeah, well, I mean, that's really encouraging what you, you said. I hadn't realized the statistics around that. So as you say, the opportunity for growth is still there. I suppose it's just about how you find the people and to give them the experiences that, you, that your company can I, I offer. I think that's an excellent point. You, you know, people want to travel just like they want to buy stuff, just like they want to do shopping. But it's our job to make sure we highlight to them areas that they would be interested in. Yeah. Like I said, usually you want to get out of your comfort zone, out of your daily routine. I had a great discussion with a cab driver yesterday and he was saying the best how, discussions. Yeah, uh, to be honest with you, I got in a cab rather than being in the, in the train because I wanted to do a few calls and then we started this discussion and I was like, okay, I'm going to delay these calls because this is a great conversation I'm having with someone from London. He was born and raised here. He's been here for such a long time. And so, for again, I live in a place today where sun is plenty. There's plenty of sun all the time. You know? Yeah, a little bit too much of it because it's always sunny. You come to London. I come to London. I'm like, great, it's raining today, and, and I like <laughs> that. Mad. That's exactly the that's exactly the reaction I get from everyone. Yeah, and so. That shows you that there's so much potential just by getting out of your element and seeing something different is a dis disconnect that people need. You know, disconnect to reconnect is always what we say. Just go out, do something different, see something different. And there's so much that we haven't seen uh, all around the world. Even if we travel a lot, there's always something else to see. Our job in hospitality is to hire, is, first of all, the world is much more global today, which is great. You know, an exhibition like the world travel market that we are part of today, you have people exhibiting from Brazil to Saudi Arabia, from North America to Australia. So you have, you know, availability of content and of data for people to choose from. But we need to make sure that network functions from the hotel industry to the airline industry to the travel agencies. Everyone is very important in that uh, in that cycle. And so I'm very optimistic about the future of hospitality. And I'm not the only one. You know, great people that have been working in this industry for a long time are also optimistic. You can see investment appetite is up. It does vary from one market to another. Yeah. But I think this is not definitely not an industry that's going to go away in any shape for or sure. form. sure, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We've kind of just got stuck in, but we haven't told the world who you actually are and what you do. So we went just right into indeed, it. Absolutely. But that's all good. Um, so yeah, just to tell the world who you are and, and what it is that you are currently doing. So this, my name is Eddie Tanwos. Currently, as you said, I'm the Chief Operating Officer of Hotel, uh, Rotana Management Corporation. I'm Lebanese. I grew up, I was born and grew up in Lebanon. I started my career with Marriott, then went on to work for Ritz-Carlton, then Fairmont, then Accor, and now I'm at Rotana. So all my life I've been doing hospitality. But I'll tell you how I went into hospitality. It was by pure coincidence. God, well, that's not uh, a story we ever hear. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we will need a little bit more time to tell you the whole uh, you know, perspective on the story, but literally a random conversation I had with a friend of mine that led me to go more into fitness in my life at a certain stage in my life. Right. 
that led to an opportunity to start at that Marriott that I mentioned in Beirut as a gym attendant. I was studying finance and economics in university. You know, like everyone else, you need that yeah, that job to be able to start supporting yourself. Mm. You know, uh, and then I literally fell in love with the industry. I fell in love with the interactions. Uh, that I have with people on a day-to-day basis. And this might sound scripted or textbook, but it, it is the reality. When By the time I graduated from university, I was already a revenue manager. That was four, five years later because obviously working and going to university, I was taking less courses to be able to do nine hours, but it was never nine hours. I was like, okay, I finished my duty. I want to cross-train in reservations. I want to cross-train in night audit. I want to cross-train in F&B. And this is probably... Just a, a bit of a dev- deviation from talking to you about myself, but this is what I tell students in hospitality today. You know, you need to find that passion because then you will want to spend 10 or 12 or 13 hours in yeah. the beginning of your career because you're getting those interactions. Otherwise, you know, you, why do you go to a coffee shop to see people, to interact with people? It's the same thing, but it's the work element. So I grew up, I grew from there. I've, I've been very fortunate to go through different departments in my career. So I started in... in Ops at very entry levels with the gym and housekeeping as well. Then I moved to commercial. I did reservations, revenue management. I fell in love with revenue management at some point. I was going to say, was that a was that a conscious choice when you've kind of you've given yourself <clears throat> an opportunity to see all of these different areas, and then you've gone actually that's the thing that really excites me. It was pure coincidence again, right. and I'll tell you how it happened. So I wouldn't say coincidence, but it was more of an organic move into revenue management. So. Reservations was a conscious choice because when I was in the gym, I had cross-trained in several departments, as I said, and at some point I was offered an opportunity to go either into accounting or into reservations. Mm-hmm. Although I was a finance student, I chose reservations. I felt, you know, I can learn more there. I saw myself there uh, more. But organically, uh, the revenue manager left the property and I was asked to jump in and support on some reporting. And suddenly I found myself in a room with all the executives and the general manager trying to give the weekly revenue meeting details. And it picked up from there. And at some point, the company saw... Uh, probably some potential in me and I started getting official training on it Uh, and then it went on from there but revenue management I fell in love with it because I saw I kind of understood the science of of commercial you know when you're a salesperson your job is to understand your product go out there and deliver that message to the consumer but revenue management is understanding what is the best optimum strategy for a hotel to deliver to the sales team to go out and get the business because obviously there's a lot more to it than just go out there and sell a room or sell a meal in a hotel so and i fell in love with how detailed that science is from that obviously i moved on to sales and marketing and the reason why i did that that was a conscious choice uh, because I wanted to be general manager at some point. And back in the day, revenue management wouldn't get you there. This has changed today. Today, yep. revenue managers can be GMs. Most of them do end up being GMs as well. Uh, but I made that move into sales and marketing, got me completely out of my comfort zone because as much as I like human interaction, being in revenue management for a while, you work with systems, you work with data, and yes, you do go in and present and deliver a, a, a certain strategy, but sales requires you to be on stage 24-7, yeah. requires you to be in a good mood 24-7. You know, you cannot walk into a meeting carrying with you the issues you, you have from home. So that got me out of my comfort zone as well. And, you know, the rest is history. From that, I moved back into operations because I needed to. Uh, that's another message I always give to to probably more, more leaders than 
than uh, you know students or people who just started the industry you know if you want to be a general manager you need to be a very good generalist yeah you need to understand the business and you cannot understand the business from just doing one discipline and just watching everything else so I by that time had understood I would say really well the commercial aspect of running a, a hotel but I needed to understand the operations you need to understand what it takes from a person to clean a room before you start making decisions on how many people you want to employ uh, and we've seen this quite a lot in the last few years where people try to reduce cost etc and they don't understand what it takes to actually deliver that service so yeah. so hospitality has been at the core of everything I've done to tell you a little bit about me personally I'm um, I like to stay very active. I think it's very, it keeps me, you know, focused to stay active and to stay healthy. Yeah, well, you said when you're in sales and you've got to be in a good mood 24-7, I can imagine that, that having a fitness focus is helpful in that super respect. Super helpful. Yeah. Super helpful. And I won't lie to you, there are weeks where I reach the weekend and I say, okay, I need to go for a run. Yeah. Uh, and you go for that run and you just let it all out. And then you go back and say, okay, now, now let's look at this issue that we're dealing with. Let's break it down into pieces. Is. Fitness is super important. Wellness is super important. I think fitness is only part, a small part of wellness. Uh, maybe fitness is not for everyone. Maybe I think there's a minimum amount of fitness everyone should have, obviously for the physical uh, benefit for the body. But it's getting that state of mind that, again, gives you the disconnect to a certain extent so you can stay focused on what you need to do on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. So I try to stay active. I have two kids. I'm married. I have two kids. They are now 15 and 13. They challenge me every day with say, ideas. They'll keep you active yeah, as well. They challenge me physically. <laughs> and that keeps me, yeah, that keeps me connected. That keeps me motivated to, uh, to wake up every morning and do what I need to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to take you back a little bit into <sighs> to your story because you, there was, I picked up on something that you said, which I think is unbelievably important for anyone who is looking to move forward in their life, is that you, you said that you think that uh, Marriott saw something in you hence the kind of, I suppose, the nudge into why don't you do this and, and all of that. I mean, where would we be without the people who see that potential? And, and I like you mentioned the people because, you know, I've had the opportunity to work across many uh, brands and, you know, there's great and there's less great in every single working environment you work in, but it's the people that make the difference. You would find even at Rotana, you would find leaders that are amazing at spotting talent that are amazing at me at having these discussions to understand are we on the same page and so do you understand your value and your potential here and putting people on the right track giving them the opportunity to show what they can do to learn and and i think this is key this is important and i think this is a message to the leaders in hospitality is we were there once right and we needed that yeah, yeah. that hand and we needed that support and and for some for some of us it's not easy to ask for help it's not easy to say okay show me the way here I think this new generation is not shy to say, okay, talk to me. Why should I do this? You know, what, what's in this for me? Yeah, you see that a lot. And I think that's great because it gives us that opportunity to speak about what a career could look like. I think it's very, very important, Phil. And it's, yeah. uh, I think it's, you know, and HR is uh, you know, looking at this in many angles today so that it's not scripted and so that it's part of the culture of a company to make sure that these discussions are being had, you know, that yeah. are taking place and that we're not missing any talent or losing any 
any talent yeah. uh, throughout the way because we just didn't pay attention to have that discussion or to have that individual make their next decision. Yeah, I mean, this is what, what we want really, don't we? we? We want people who can think for themselves. We want people who are not scared to voice their opinion if they don't agree with something. These are the, the, the environments that create wonderful things because you know if you're just in this echo chamber all the time where this is the way we do it and that's the end of it then you're you're suppressing talent really ultimately aren't you and this is easier said than done yeah and i'll tell you sure. why i think so you know when you get to a position of responsibility let's say a general manager you have a lot on your plate and you know you have to deal with owners you have to deal with keeping the hotel you know operationally you know deliver great service but also make money uh, you deal with issues because usually once the, the team is not able to deal with a guest issue, it reaches you. So it's a very stressful job. It can be a stressful job. So sometimes the easy way out is just to say, this is how it is and just do it. And we fall into that trap quite often as well. So it takes a lot of, uh, I think, patience from leadership to say, okay, let me explain that to you. Let me invest that time with you or with the team to make sure that we are having these discussions because otherwise we lose good talent and we yeah. end up with, I don't want to say robots, but we end up with the individuals that are not necessarily going to come to the table with great ideas. They're going to do a job, the job well uh, and you cannot have the whole team or the whole population in a hotel just here to do a very simple task and move on. We need the brains, we need the new ideas, we need the, that generation yeah. to come to the table with these suggestions and, and that, that questioning. But it's not easy to be questioned when you are in a position that you have to make the decision fast. And leaders have to pick up on that and say, no, this is equally as important because this will give me an, a, an environment that is going to start solving these issues before they come to me, right? Because they understood the whole notion here and they are the type of individual that will jump on an issue and get it resolved. Mm. So it's an investment you make that's going to make your life easier in the future as well. And that's going to build that talent pool. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, you're in your story, at the point that we're at, you're, you're a general manager, you've, you've made it. That was the original goal set, I suppose, in terms yeah. of this is what I would like to achieve. Yeah. You've achieved it. Which company were, were you in at this point? Uh, the first general manager position was at the Fairmont. Okay, yeah. right. So a, a wonderful company from yeah. uh, a luxury perspective. Absolutely, yeah. Was luxury something that you always connected with or was it something that, you, that, that came to you? as part of your, your journey? In the first half of my career, yes, luxury was kind of a target for me. I related a lot to uh, the way things were done in a luxury hotel. You know, coming from, a, from our societies, uh, people used to, at some point, look down on hospitality. You know, it was seen at some point, and I'm talking probably 50, 60 years ago. Right, but okay. in some societies in the Middle East, you know, it's still a bit of an issue. Uh, is, it's, this, it's is this here. really yeah is this really a career or is this a servant job right so some of these slogans that some of the hospitality companies had showed that no you can take pride in doing this job obviously you have to start from humble beginnings it's like the army you know you start from humble beginnings and then you build your way up but 
at the end of the day, it's a very respectable profession. It's, it pays when you get to a certain level as well. And it opens up different prospects as well, what you can do after that, which is the example of where I am right now. From GM, while people used to think GM is the end of it and this is where you reach, no. There's a lot more you can do if you want to move into the regional role or the corporate role. And from there, also, you can move into consultancy. So once you know this career really well, there's so many things you can do. Beginnings should be humble. You should go and understand how we cook a meal or how we clean a room or how we deal with the, with the boilers in the engineering room. One of these or some of these you should know. Yeah. So in, initially, luxury was the space where I found myself more. But, you know, there was another part in my career where I was managing a region and I was managing 37 brands from economy to ultra luxury. And there it became very interesting to me to see that it's not easier to run an economy hotel than it is to run a luxury hotel. Yeah. On the contrary, in some aspects, you know, general managers running ultra-luxury hotels have very solid executive teams with them. They have, a, they have a machine, well-oiled machine that can work. And, you know, that's how they manage and that's how they are able to deliver that perfect luxury experience. If you're managing a smaller hotel, you're making less money because obviously you sell lower rates, etc. Yeah. You don't have all those privileges. So as a general manager, you need to be resilient. You need to, you need to be able to, you know, work with a team that's very versatile. And this is a talent that some of the luxury general managers don't necessarily possess. So for me, it became very interesting to learn that model as well. And, you know, from economy to ultra-luxury, you have a lot of steps as well. You know, you have mid-scale, you have premium. Now we have lifestyle, which is a whole different beast as well. Yeah. Uh, I think understanding the business, understanding the customer uh, is what, you know, makes you passionate about it. And, and that learning curve was very important for me. Today, I think, you know, we even have a discussion with gen great general managers, probably much better than I will ever be running a hotel. Uh, that want to move forward, but then they don't have that regional DNA, and it's, it's literally a different DNA. You know, uh, for regional or corporate uh, leaders, you know, you could wake up and do some emails from your bed, take a shower, do some from the taxi, then you're at the airport doing more emails, finish a few backlog things on the plane, jump into a meeting as soon as you're all alone. You don't have a team to support you. Some GMs can do that, and they can do it really great, but not all of them, and mm -hmm. vice versa. Yeah. Some corporate leaders that understand the business that sometimes have GMs reporting to them will never be as good as those GMs managing a property, but they're really good at what they do uh, from a corporate perspective. So that brings us back a little bit to the whole luxury versus all other segments. Luxury is definitely the most attractive visually area for, for students because, you know, there's a certain pride in working for these big names, uh, you know, these landmark hotels, these landmark brands. But there is more to it than this. Uh, I know companies that have become huge, but their main business was mid-scale and economy. And they ended up purchasing or buying luxury brands and adding them to their portfolio. But their success initially was because of their economy and mid-scale brands. Yeah, so, yeah. so there's different facets of the business and we need to understand all of them. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at what point then when you're a general manager, did you, did you start to think to yourself, right, I, I need to continue to move forward? Or did somebody come to you and say, do you know what, you, you would make a really 
good regional or area or whatever. How did that process? It was a, it was a bit the other way around. Uh, so from hotel operations before becoming GM, I was director of operations. I had an opportunity to be director of ops in a corporate office in a regional office, basically supporting 25 properties. Right. Okay. In Middle East, Africa, and India. So that was a bit controversial, controversial for the company as a decision to make. And this is where you go back and you say, you know, you need these moments. You need these leaders to believe in you. At the time, the senior vice president of operations saw an opportunity with me. And he said, I think you can do this job really well. But one, at one point, you have to go back and do the GM role. Yeah. So at that time, the GM ambition had changed for me. I saw this opportunity. This was, again, one of the beautiful uh, periods of my life because... Jumping from a hotel operation dynamics into a corporate office dynamics, just what we spoke about uh, re, uh, just earlier, uh, was a big eye opener. You know, I started understanding the business of hotels when I was all my life in the hotel business. Yeah. Right. There's there's a difference between the hotel business and the business of hotels. Very good. They're obviously correlated in many aspects but i started understanding the business of hotels and why these decisions are made and how can we support the hotels from that corporate office uh, environment from there that promise you know was kept and i went on and i did my gm role again because you need to earn that credibility when you work with career general managers uh, you need to earn that credibility when they report to you you need to have experienced it and even if you've you know if i had exposure on more than 25 hotels at some point and i understand everything from the business perspective being a general manager was another very important point in my life but at that time by then it wasn't the end target anymore because i had fell in love with the whole corporate world and how it functions yeah and i saw myself there as well but i i knew that i needed to be a general manager understand it. So I did that for two years. And that was, again, a stepping stone into me coming back into the corporate world as a vice president. Right. Yeah. And I think the, the great thing about that, and this, I see this in so many people's journeys, is that, you know, it's important to set goals, but it's also important to be alive to opportunity when it comes. It might have been something that you had never even considered. And somebody comes to you and says, actually, I've got a a great opportunity for you to go and do this thing that you'd never thought about before in your life. But then it, it just adds so much value to you. And, and, and of course, then your goals maybe change in terms absolutely. of what you want to achieve next and, and all of that. And absolutely. I, I absolutely love that because I think it's such an important message is that, and I, I say this as a guy who even maybe to this day has never really had a plan, mm -hmm. but I, I, I'm an, an opportunist. I, I do like to pursue the things that give me joy. So a lot of that comes from in the moment, that sounds really interesting, we should definitely give that a go. And so you end up forming, you can form your career in so many different ways. Absolutely. Um, but Absolutely. I do think it's, it's vitally important to have goals, to have somewhere that you're heading to, uh, even if you are, if, you, uh, you, if you're a career general manager, as an example, if you know that that's your level and that you love doing that, then that's great, but still be setting your, your goals around that in terms absolutely, of absolutely absolutely and so so if if you'd ask me if i if i would choose one word one thing that you need to have with you coming into this industry and wanting to be successful if you had the choice of having one trait i would say the right attitude yeah you need to come with an attitude to say okay i'm this is the goal the goal is the direction 
because you could go in very different directions in life, right? So the goal has to be there because you need a certain direction. But along the way, even with that and with that direction, there's a lot of shortcuts. There's a lot of other, you know, branches that you can go out to. Have the right attitude to say, you know what? Yeah, I've invested so much time in this, but this led me to where I am today. Look at this. Is, this looks like a good opportunity to branch out of mm -hmm. in the industry and have that attitude. Attitude is very important and it's exactly what you said, but this is what makes it fun, right? This is yeah. because, because it could be a horror to think that you might be stuck in doing the same thing for the rest of your life, right? And this is exactly what I think students need to know is there are so many options to shift from one direction to another within that original, obviously, target. That Because I think the end goal is get as high as you can or as successful as you can in the hospitality industry. You know, that's the more generic goal. Yeah. You know, okay, I'm going to choose hospitality and I want to be the best I can be. I want to optimize my potential. I want to get as high as possible. Yeah. And then... Obviously, the first thing is, okay, I'm going to be based in a hotel. I want to be GM. Or other people would say, no, I want to end up being in development. So I want to go more into consultancy, and then I'll get into development. So that's the second layer of, of goal or direction. And then you start adding those layers, and you start with something. Along the way, you'll figure out, listen, I like this, but I like this a lot more. And then you start doing these shifts. But to be able to do that, you need to be really good at what you do. Because anyone who's going to give you a chance, first, you're going to have to earn it. At the end of the day, it's a business. And the person running or the people running this, this business, you know, they are responsible to deliver results to owners, to stakeholders. So when you shine at what you do, you give yourself the opportunity to be noticed. You give yourself the opportunity to, to, to be given the, the chance to do something different or to try something different or to train in a different department. If you're not, people are not going to take those risks on you. Yeah. I think that's a, it's a monumentally good point because I, 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 again, looking back on my own career in the early stages, I advanced very, very quickly. But you have to ask yourself, why is that? I, I was humble beyond words that people were giving me opportunities. I couldn't believe yeah. that people yeah. were considering me for promotion because coming back to the attitude point, I was coming into work with a big smile on my face because I, it, it didn't really feel like work. Yeah. So, you know, delivering the best of myself and then all of a sudden people are taking notice of that. And I ended up climbing the ranks very, very quickly and still to this day look back on that time so fondly because people were giving me opportunity that I feel like on the one hand I wasn't creating myself, but at the same time was because... You're, you're kind of controlling your destiny with your attitude. Absolutely. And you know, Phil, as leaders, whether you're a director of ops, director of food and beverage, general manager, a corporate leader, again, you're faced with situations you have to deal with, mm -hmm. right? And a good leader surrounds himself or herself with people that are good at what they do, people that have the right. So you'll be sitting there saying, okay, what are the resources I have in front of me to resolve this issue or to reach this target or to reach the, this objective and so the resources include people and so you're going to look around and say this is a superstar he looks like a superstar or she looks like a superstar or they look like a superstar in what they do they are delivering amazing results already you're going to reach out to them you're not going to look at the person that is mediocre at what they do yeah. because you don't have again you don't have time to waste you so it becomes a mutual benefit of both so Come to work with that attitude, you know, don't say no to things you, sh you don't need to say no to. Shine, 
be good at what you are and then look out and you're going to see those opportunities being delivered to you. Yeah. And people will notice you. Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Good leaders will do. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's a lot of good leaders in our industry as well. People who are passionate about it. Yeah. Totally. Five-star hospitality means having the right people in the right place at the right time. And that's exactly where RotorCloud can help. RotorCloud is the online platform that makes planning rotors, recording attendance, and managing annual leave easy. Its simple drag-and-drop interface lets you create and share rotors with your team in minutes. While our built-in budgeting tools mean you'll know exactly how much you're spending on staffing before sending the rotor out. RotorCloud also makes life easier for your staff, allowing them to check their rotors, request time off, and pick up extra shifts, all through the RotorCloud mobile app. Start your 30-day free trial today by visiting rotacloud.com forward slash fill and find out how much easier managing your team can be. So in your story, you're now uh, a VP. Um, so where are you at this point and what, what is the remit? <clears throat> so the first regional role was executive dire director and then promoted to executive director of operations. I was overseeing luxury brands uh, with Fairmont Raffles and Swiss Hotel. At the yep. time, it was FRHI. And so I was overseeing Middle East, Africa and India. So my job was to provide support to the general managers and their teams on anything they need to do with the business. If it's related to revenue generation, I would reach out to the experts on the corporate team, set up these meetings, we go through these discussions. If it's cost related, we do the same with finance. If it's product related, engineering comes in. So I was basically the link between the hotels and the corporate team, which is basically what a regional ops person is supposed to do. Uh, then from there, as I said, I went to GM, came back. At the time, Accor had acquired FRHI. Accor, the French hotel company, had acquired FRHI. Yeah. And so I came back as a vice president operations for the luxury division in the region. At the time, Accor had initially split the two divisions, uh, economy mid-scale under one leadership and luxury under another leadership. Eventually, there was a lot of restructurings happening. So I did that also. And then another restructuring happened in the company, and I raised my hand to take over Saudi Arabia for the company. Right, okay. And so this is when things were significantly starting to change in Saudi. The vision of 2030 had been put in place. It was opening up as a country, so the potential was huge. And, you know, living in Dubai, you always say, we wish we were there in the early 2000s because Dubai, obviously, is a great success story. And people who were there since the late 90s, early 2000s, they've seen the beginnings until today. It's they've seen all of that. Isn't that it? Yeah. And so this is what I saw in Saudi Arabia at the time. I saw a country with huge potential, but that was just starting from a hospitality industry standpoint. Yeah. And the other thing that uh, attracted me about this role is I would, like I said earlier, oversee all brands. So I would have oversight on economy brands, mid-scale, premium, luxury, and ultra-luxury. I would have my own region. I'm dealing with owners. I'm managing the company. Uh, collecting um, uh, fees, uh, dealing with taxes, etc. So it brought a different perspective to me, and this is why it was very attractive. So I did that for three years. Following that, 
the company had decided to take back those luxury brands and give them their own identity under a different leadership or under the umbrella of the main company. So I came back to Fairmont because this is where I came from to manage Middle East and Asia for the company. And this is when the great opportunity with Rotana came up and we started these discussions and I made the big decision to move from a company where I was for 15 years to join Rotana because I really saw an amazing opportunity with Rotana, a company that started with, again, uh, very organic beginnings, two hotels in 1993, uh, very passionate and knowledgeable founders who are still today around us and they are still supporting the team, Right. Uh, but also a company that managed to grow to 20 hotels, then 30, then 50. Today, we're looking at 100 properties. We've managed to get out of our comfort zone, out of the UAE into Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Qatar, Bahrain, and now out of the Middle East. We are in Africa. Today, I'm meeting owners about 10 properties that we are developing in London. We signed one in Georgia. Uh, so what? Yeah, you are on the move. Yeah, we are definitely on the move. And I think what's great about Rotana is it's small enough to be able to maneuver and yep. be flexible and catch these opportunities, but big enough to have great structure uh, and come to the table with you know great value for any owner or any investor. Uh, our hotels today, I can humbly say, are performing extremely well i knock on wood of here. course extremely yes. well and in, in, in most markets if i probably all markets i would say 85 to 90 percent of our hotels are performing above their market share we have a very structured way to to doing business and that com- the company has earned that great reputation in the market a market which i've been operating in since 1999 so yeah. so it's been a great big decision for me but I'm, I'm super happy to be here i think at some point phil in your life you want to be in a place where you can make an impact you know there's the learning process in the beginning and then there's being able to reach that that initial goal that gm that leadership role uh, and then at some point you need to be able to make that bigger impact mm. and in this 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 role with this company specifically with rotana uh, I think allows me to make this impact and take continue, you know, that that growth story for the company. Yeah, God, what an exciting time to, it's a to, very to be alive time. and absolutely. to absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. but I, I, I had no idea that you had that much because it's not even just about growth. That's you're going into new spaces to you know. So that's yes, it's growth in terms of property size, but it's growth in terms of outlook as well, and in the way that you conduct business and the. Every territory conducts business in its own little nuanced way, don't they? So, you know, all of this wonderful opportunity for, for learning Absolutely. through that process. Yeah, growth is moving forward, right? It's progress. It's, you know, new ideas. Growth is not necessarily just growing in, in a, from one position to another in the same and continue doing the same thing you're doing. I'm smiling because we're in London and it brings back, you know, a, a scene from the movie The Darkest Hour. Right. When yeah. Winston Churchill gets on the train probably for the first time in his life, when the train moves and he has to hold on, he looks at everyone and he says, progress. Uh, so that <laughs> yes. movement of the train, he saw it as progress. Any movement is progress. Any opportunity to do something different is progress. And that's how I see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I love that. Love, love that outlook. I'm just going to reverse back again. I just want to go back to, to Saudi Arabia because mm-hmm. it is a, a marketplace which is just... I mean, it's actually phenomenal, the speed of change that's, that's yeah. happening there. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like to be 
part of that in that that moment in terms of because it it literally it felt like one day they just switched it on and Correct. went right we are yeah we're flying now yeah i mean what was fascinating in the beginning is every time you fly back you see something different right and i fly back every week right so every time you fly back, you see something different. You see something different in the attitude at the airports, being much more service-oriented rather than just uh, just controlling, right. Uh, right? Because there's the, those two elements, you know. We need to control at airports for the safety risks and all of that. But there's also the... the uh, the, uh, the service and the welcoming and yeah. all of that and huge huge difference and so you started seeing the real nature of of the country because once you start working in, in the middle east you understand hospitality is in the essence of everything they do in their real lives you know you go to someone's house they throw a banquet for you even if they don't know you uh, it's just normal for them but we, we didn't see that with the controlling part in the past so you started seeing so that was very exciting to see the potential of a country that has never touched uh, hospitality uh, as, a, as a priority and where now hospitality is an integral part of that vision 2030 that the crown prince and the king had launched back then. Areas like Al Ula, for example, which is uh, probably one of the nicest historical places in the Middle East. It's it's uh, it has traces of seven thousand years of uh, or five or six thousand years of uh, of human existence and uh, uh, monuments and nature and all that. All of that wasn't touched before because it wasn't a focus. Suddenly, something like this opens up. And you being part of this, an opening hotel or a resort in that area, is something you cannot witness every day. So these are the things that I think were fascinating. And on the, on the flip side as well, the authorities in Saudi Arabia opened up to experts and said, okay, what do you think about this? We want to do that. What do you think about that? So it gave us, uh, all the leaders of the hospitality companies in Saudi Arabia, it gave us a forum, an opportunity to sit and say, listen, it's great that you want to achieve X, but we think you need to be aware of one, two, three, four. This is what we face on the ground as operators. Yeah. And then they would come back with feedback or they would come back with even change in legislation in some, in some instances to help us also, uh, you know, deliver on what we need to deliver on in the market. So fascinating time. And even today, I was there last week. Every time you go back, you see something different. What was very exciting is talent, is when we started dealing with the young talent in Saudi Arabia, talent that had never foreseen to work in the hospitality. You know, everyone wanted to be in banking at some point or insurance. Right, yeah. And you start dealing with talent, and you see the, the huge potential that this younger generation has in Saudi Arabia is very refreshing. You learn from those interactions, and it's been really, really interesting. Yeah, no doubt. For us, for Rotana today, we, we are managing seven properties. We have probably a pipeline of another 10, 13 properties. We have a very, very big focus on Saudi Arabia because, again, it's a big growth story for the Middle East. Uh, we are already very present in Dubai and Abu Dhabi. We want to continue being present there. But today, Saudi is a very big focus for us. Yeah, I suppose for a long time, it's not, not that it's been a closed country, but it, has, uh, it hasn't had this reputation as a bastion of hospitality it just wasn't a focus i mean yeah. uh, i mean you, you know these are very old rich countries in the middle east right so and again and i i'm a strong believer that most things come up out of necessity in in the human nature if you need to do something then you figure out a way to do it and i think at the time the the, the mindset was we don't need to do that we have already 
the, the, the oil and gas, and we have everything else that's keeping us busy. And this is what's what I admire about the vision that was put in place. You know, if you read Vision 2030, or if you even go back in time so that we don't stay in Saudi and look at what Dubai has done, you know, you know, understanding the, the need and to diversify your economy, understanding the need to create these opportunities for talent. Not everyone wants to work in oil and gas. Not every, you know, you're not going to have enough for everyone to go. Not everyone's going to go to government positions, etc. So, and I think that's the mindset that started changing things. And suddenly, uh, tourism became important. Health and safety, health and medical became very important. So a few industries that were not really in the forefront, education became extremely important. And they're using uh, you know, a lot of their resources to support the, the, the talent they have to go out and you know, major in, in, in hospitality or other uh, sectors also outside of the Middle East, in Europe, in London, in the US, investing money in their talent. So yeah, it's, it's that mindset shift i think that has created that was the main catalyst for the change yeah absolutely no it's exciting times i remember seeing a, a video on youtube around the new city that they're creating the the line that's it yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah i mean I, I suppose it all starts with a vision first right and then you you work it backwards as to the and it's about asking difficult questions but asking people to be creative and not have the boundaries of regular thinking yeah to get to something like that it's yeah just... yeah i think they've they've they, they want to completely remove the word boundary from the dictionary yeah. for the next 10 15 years uh, and value engineer it maybe later on and see i think right now it's a think tank it's how far can we go how high can we jump how uh, how creative can we be yeah and uh, and again it's fascinating to see some of these what they call giga projects come to life and start operating and being successful. Yeah, but I suppose that's, that is the way that, that business kind of works as well, though, in terms of, you know, not just from a, a country perspective, Saudi doing what they're doing, but if you look at an ultra-luxury company who's, who, who do something innovative that nobody's ever done before, of course, everybody puts yeah. their head up, don't they, and go, what's that over Absolutely. there? Absolutely. And so it's the same, exactly the same principle. Absolutely. All of this just breeds further innovation and excitement to come to the table with stuff. A good example to this is lifestyle. Yeah. You know, a few years ago, 10 years ago, we didn't talk about lifestyle. We spoke about luxury, economy, mid-scale, premium. These were the segments. And then suddenly, you started having quirky hotels uh, that were delivering the same profit as an ultra-luxury hotel that cost much less, obviously, from the beginning, but they're interesting. They're yeah. quirky, they're different. They're still delivering excellent service, but they're in their own way. They're still delivering amazing food and beverage concepts, but in their own way, not your traditional. And, you know, this was perfect timing as well. And it's part of evolution, I guess. Things happen at the right time. You know, the mindset of the consumer was changing. You know, we were talking to millennials. Now we're talking to Gen Z and Gen X. And, and so the customer went from, you know, wanting to go and being told what they're gonna eat with a set menu with white gloves and this is how you behave and these are the forks and knives that you use yeah. to being able to say, no, this is, how, this is luxury for me. Luxury for me is being able to go there with my jeans, maybe with my very expensive watch, but you know, jeans and, and you know, very modest shoes and I wanna be able to have a great meal but in a vibrant society with you know, great looking people. So it gave us, a, this was out of the box. Yeah, you know, I've dealt also with some of these uh, 
groups that had started some of these uh, great brands. And, you know, when you look at what we call an OSNE list, which is the, uh, the list of operating equipment that you need to buy for a hotel before it opens. And you look at that and you see things there and you compare to your traditional <laughs> hotels. You're like, wow, this is interesting. Why what do, is, they, what why do they want it? What is that? And, yeah. you know, you start having these calls and say, oh, okay, now I get it. Now I get where you're coming from. Yeah. So, yeah, it's the, thinking, going back to your point, creativity, thinking out of the box. Uh, we use these terms a lot so they become overused, but it's really, you know, you know, try to do things differently yeah. uh, and creating something new. Be ambitious, you know. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Yeah, I did a thing, a, a webinar, an interactive webinar a few weeks ago. It's called uh, Setting Hairy Audacious Goals. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's the things that, and actually we were using an example, how would you get uh, an elephant to the moon mm -hmm. by next May? Mm -hmm. that, was the, mm -hmm. that was what mm -hmm. we kind of had to work back. Yeah. And obviously that's... You know, nobody really probably wants to do that. But the principle was about actually, you know, it, it doesn't just need to be about setting financial targets, about setting, uh, you know, your, your staffing targets and all of these things. It, it is about setting the stretch goals as well. The things that the vast majority of people would maybe look at you and go, what are you thinking? <laughs> yes. Because, you know, that's yeah. how innovation happens. That Absolutely. Is how, and, and if somebody, if you set a goal like that, and somebody around you says, oh, you're crazy, then you know you're onto something, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and these, you know, when you deliver on those big uh, plans and big goals, they end up making a lot of money. Yeah. So, yeah. so don't start only from, okay, I need to make a million dollars. What do I need to do? You know, you know, feed those ideas because one of those ideas is going to end up being a great business idea and it's going to make you money eventually. So it's a different way to reach your goal, a more interesting way. And, you know, again, if you look back at the disruptive people in our, not only in our industry, in the world in the last 10, 15 years, you know, when you start with the Facebook story, when with the Elon Musk, you know, as controversial as these, uh, these stories might be to some of us, they were completely new ideas that other people didn't think about. Very simple ideas in some instances, but yeah. new ideas that, you know, became uh, very, very huge success stories that delivered millions of dollars to their, uh, to their creators. So, yeah, uh, yeah I think things are going to continue changing very quickly around us and we need to have that change mindset and, and you know, lead the change. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I want to come back to you taking on your current role because mm -hmm. there is a story here that we mm -hmm. have to cover. Yeah. If you, and I think you know the story I'm talking about yeah. involving yeah. a haircut, <laughs> which, which uh, conjures up wonderful images, but uh, I'm going to let you do the yeah. talking on this. Well, well, luckily, the haircut incident, as I call it, is a bit earlier uh, in my life. It's not in the current uh, okay, role. Okay, right. I beg your pardon. Uh, but uh, it kind of reflects on things that could, you know, funny things that you go through in your life and how you react to those. So, yeah. At the time, I was regional director of revenue management and our VP, our corporate vice president for the company was visiting for the first time. It was my probably my, my fourth week on the job. A friend of mine used to run the hairdresser salon in the hotel and we were very good friends. It just happened that uh, we were friends from before. So I go there to have a haircut. You know, you want to be ready before the meeting and I make the weird decision of having the haircut on the same day. So I went there in the morning. Our meeting was in the afternoon. And the, 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 the gentleman that was giving me the haircut was young, was new, and he knew I was friends with his boss, so he was nervous. 
Right, okay. And so, God, and so we sit there and, you know, I do this all the time. You know, we get haircuts. I get haircuts every two weeks. So, so I go and I was like, I like my hair short. That's the only thing I said. He said, okay, okay, no problem. And then he takes the razor, puts it on zero, and oh, then starts no. with the size. And then immediately I look around. And it's like, oh, my God, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so, so here I am with hair on the most part of my head. But this part here is completely zero. You can see the skin. And like, okay, well, what are the options here? Yeah. I can either take everything off and then go in looking like a convict at the time, or, <laughs> or I can take only the sides off and then go in looking like, I don't know, like a, like a street gangster, and maybe that will intimidate him. And like, it was just, it was a dis- so anyways, I decided to take the sides off, obviously, and leave some hair on the top. And I said, okay, I told the team, I will sit on top of the table because he's sitting on the other end of the table. And I will only look at him, yeah. like <laughs> facing no, him. No, no. Exactly. What's that over there? Yeah. <laughs> over there? yeah. Everyone else was looking at me. The team from the side is like, what did you do to your hair? I was like, just don't mention it. <laughs> Eventually, I mean, he, he was a great person as well. And then we had discussions after the meeting I was saying by the way <laughs> this is not something I do usually and I told them the story and we, we just laughed about it but yeah. you know you go through a lot of these uh, these uh, these instances in your life you know something embarrassing that you do in front of an owner or in front of a guest or in front of, I mean just we're human beings right yeah. Phil I mean we're human beings these things are going to happen to us and just don't take things too seriously as long as you're not doing things to disrespect people and you're not you don't mean to disrespect people things are going to happen and how you deal with them you can just recover very quickly and move on yeah absolutely yeah. I, I love stories like that because they they are you know look at what you've become despite your haircut disaster yeah. right you know um i did think it was gonna put a stop to my yeah, career that was the, the end, end. Yeah. i'm not gonna lie to you there was a, you know a few minutes there where uh, you know everything were the prospects were not very positive but uh yeah you you recover from these things obviously yeah. you deal with some more serious issues sometimes and of you course know, yeah. again the attitude the attitude on how you're going to deal with this makes the big difference yeah, what's well, the, the the cliche? It's not what happens to you; it's how you react to Absolute. what happens to you. Absolutely, um, yeah. is is what defines you. But. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and the learning there, of course, is that if you've got a big meeting that day, don't, don't get, get a haircut. haircut. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, do you know, this is one of the joys of doing this podcast is, is you never expect to be sat in front of a CEO of a company and a line like, don't get a haircut before a meeting comes yeah, out of it, you know. Absolutely. But that is the that's the richness of, of what what we do in this industry. It's just you know, there's just stories like that everywhere. Absolutely. And it's one of the things that I, I one of the reasons why I will continue doing this podcast until the end of time because it's just so much fun to to listen to the human side of, of people's and I journeys. Can, I can tell you, sitting on the on the other side as well, it's it's a lot of fun to have also this discussion with you today Phil it's, because it's a little bit away from you know the day-to-day scripted numbers strategy development but we touch on that as well because that's what we do but we have like a, a really nice discussion that you know brings up these ideas so I really enjoy it as well yeah fantastic I am conscious of your time but um, uh, so I'll, I'll probably wrap this up then by asking you the the age-old question which I ask everybody which is what would be your three main reasons as to why somebody should come into hospitality as a career? Potential would be the first one. If we want to look at it strictly from a business perspective and from a career growth perspective, moving away from the passion for just a second, because I'm going to lead to that passion and be happy about what you do, potential is huge. This is an industry that has probably covered 
10% or 15% of its overall potential. Uh, yes, there are cities that are condensed with hotels, but there's the rest of the world as well. Mm. So you starting now with this career, there's a great potential for you to get to, you know, first of all, to have a beautiful journey and then to get to a point where you've, you've achieved big things and you've reached high level uh, positions and obviously you've, you're making more money. So just purely from looking at that, which is probably where I was as a student, it's like how can I get to a point where I make money, buy the things that I want, lead a good life? So from that perspective, the potential is unquestionable. Um, the second part is really this, I, I gave the example of the coffee shop uh, in this morning. You know, If you think of us as human beings, most of the things we do to have fun is we go to a restaurant or we go to a cafe, we go to a place where there's other people around us, where we see those interactions. Most of the times we like to be with our friends or our family to interact with them as well. There aren't too many jobs or careers in the world that give you that setting while doing the job. You know, I've always discussed with people that I work with and said, we should do a show about this office. We should just have someone video, uh, you know, take a, a, do a video about us just doing things with you because it's so fun, so much fun. So many funny things come up, the good, the bad, you know, the good times, the difficult times and hospitality will give you that. It will give yeah. you, you're going to have to eventually wake up every morning and go to work, right? And, you know, human nature, we would all prefer to be on a weekend or, or having fun somewhere, right? You're going to have to do it. You might as well do it somewhere where this in the industry is giving you that environment that is also fun, just as much fun as going to a coffee shop and interacting with your friends or going to a bar and having a drink and seeing people around you. Yeah. So that would be the second one. The third one is... I think kind of linked to the to the second one, but I always like to go with threes. Yeah, uh, is, uh, that's a rule of three and everything, you, isn't you it? You learn so much from interacting with people. I've had interactions. As a GM, one practice that I started doing immediately is I would go to the cafeteria, pick one employee that's sitting alone, and then sit with them and have lunch with them. And this, you get so humbled by learning the life stories of these individuals and... You feel blessed in many cases that, you know, they have much more difficult lives than you, than what you had coming from areas like in Asia and coming to work and coming from the Middle East or even from Europe. Or from, but they still come to work with this amazing smile. They come to work with this amazing drive. And so it, it gives you a different perspective on things. And you go back to your office and say, it's, it's not so bad here. And you want to continue interacting with these, with these individuals. So... For me, interacting with people on all levels, people who you report to, people who report to you, but also people who do, you know, all the jobs in the hotel uh, are priceless. You know, we spoke yeah. about my interaction with the, with the cab driver yesterday. You know, you have discussions with guests that are coming from all over the world. Uh, even if you weren't able to travel to these places, when you engage with people who are coming from there, you're growing, your brain is growing, you're learning new things. And the hospitality industry will give you that. And I honestly, I cannot think of any other industry that gives you that opportunity. That seems like a wonderfully positive way to, to wrap this up. Thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute joy to, to listen to your story uh, and all of the, well, not all of the thinking going on in your head. I suppose I, maybe one final question, to, if you'll permit me, is did you ever think that you'd be the CEO of a, a multinational hotel company? In the beginning, no. But, 
you know, one of the things that were always in my head, I even used it sometimes as, as a password for my login, is to the top. Uh, you know, I have a, an eagerness to always get to the top of something. If I'm hiking, I want to get to the top of that mountain. And I think this has helped me stay focused on, you know, when, when, when you have a lot of things going on around you, stay focused on that end goal. So at some point, yes, this became the target. And, you know, the target continues to, to move. You know, after that, I want to be CEO. Uh, and after that, I want to continue, you know, see, continue making an impact, be in an environment where you make an impact. So, so no, in the beginning, this was probably not, not existing in my head. The GM was the target because yeah. for me, that was the end goal. But as you very rightfully said during our discussion, you know, those goals evolve i don't want to say change they evolve into something else because yeah. evolve is probably a positive word of looking at change uh and yeah you should just uh, you know continue focusing on how far you can go uh because the sky's the limit so yeah, yeah. At, at the beginning you don't know how good you can become right that's the, the thing Until and equally you, you don't know what you don't know so Absolutely. you don't know that a role like that perhaps even exists exactly that, uh, to, to exactly. shoot for so exactly. yeah one step at a time absolutely Fantastic. I want to thank you, Phil. This has been a really motivational and, and comfortable discussion to have with you. Bless you. It's given thank me you. the opportunity to reflect back on some of those situations in the past, but it's great. Uh, thank you very much for the opportunity. You're very welcome, and thank you. Enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you. Take care. And there we have it. I'll be forever grateful that Eddie made time in his hectic London schedule to meet and chat through his career. And what a career he has so far. We'll be back as usual at 8pm next Wednesday for another story from hospitality. So until then, thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week.